Bodies by the Numbers is a horror podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast where we keep track of how we die in horror media. I'm your host, Ander Mack, and this is my co-host, Grace Lee. Today, we're covering Friday the 13th from 1980. The OG, the, the original. This is the movie that cemented the slasher genre and all the tropes we know and love. Or, I mean, I'm not, yeah, yeah, definitely cemented them, or at least... There's a lot. They like they, they what? What was it? They stole so much from like a lot of other like horror movies to put it in this movie. So Halloween ripped off Black Christmas. Yeah. And this ripped off Halloween. <laughs> it also ripped off a little bit from Carrie because of the jump scare at the end. Yeah. That, uh, that's that. I fucking got Grace. You did. You <laughs> fucker. You, you motherfucker. I was so happy. You did not need to do that. Oh God. So. But, Feelings check. How did you like? Ah, like, is it bad that I thought this was okay? Like, uh, the special effects were good. The music was unnerving, but everything else seemed kind of like seemed mediocre. Like, I liked the the killer at the end, but I don't know. It was there's nothing to like push it over for me to say. Oh, I enjoyed this movie. Oh, I'd recommend watching this movie. It was just, I guess if you like slasher films, I guess go see this. The first four Friday the 13th are all pretty bland yeah. to me. It's really cool to see lore be mm-hmm. built up. I think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street does it better. Yeah. I think that Halloween is much more iconic. That's going to be our next movie, so yeah. you'll understand what I mean by that shortly. Friday the 13th, I feel, doesn't really get super fun until you get to the movies where you kind of get pissed off while you watch them. Like, my personal favorite one is yeah. Jason X. Have any guesses fuck? to what that is? Jason X? Yes. But in... The, uh, okay, also one thing that deeply confuses me is that in the movie I just watched, Jason is dead, but apparently he's not? And also, what do you mean by Jason X? Does he kill people by slashing them across the chest? No, no, even Is that better. for five? Or is, it, or is it like the Roman X, where it's like Jason... Ten. It's the tenth oh. movie in the installment. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it's Jason Voorhees in space. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Why in space? How it's, did he get to space? It's so good. How did he get to space? How? They explain it in the movie. <laughs> like, okay, oh, uh, uh, on one hand, he's, if, okay, so he's not dead. Jason is apparently alive. And he's just like, what, like a country bumpkin just stabbing camp counselors? And somehow... He got okayed for space flight? And I can't? If I ever showed up to NASA, like, hey, I want to go on a spaceship, they would just, they'd be like, one, how the fuck did you get in here? How did security <laughs> let you pass? And they'd probably arrest me. How did that not happen? How did he get on a spaceship? There's cameras everywhere. I'm sure, I'm assuming they monitor those very expensive, all that expensive equipment. I'm sure they monitor that like 24-7. How did he get on the spaceship? We'll get to that when we get to part 10 in oh the series. God. Yeah, And uh, wait, how many movies are there? There's fucking 14? So there's 10 initial movies. Okay. Then there's the crossover and okay. then there's the remake. Okay. So there's 12 movies. They can't even get to their golden number. I know. That 13 There that... are there are two fan movies, Never Hike Alone yeah. and Never Hike in the Snow. You can find them on YouTube and they are fucking phenomenal fan yeah. movies. I have to show you them after we get through the first 4 at least. But now that we're through our feelings, let's get to the plot summary. All right, plot summary. At least if there's one good thing about this movie, it it starts you off pretty, like, you know what's going to happen, right? It starts you off pretty strong. Oh, God, God. it has a pretty distinct title card. But what first pretty much happens is that you're from the, what we now understand is the point of view of the killer. 
is that you're going through this uh, camp cabin, looking at all the kids. Singing hallelujah. And Well, I mean, first you see the sleeping kids, and then you move to where you see, like, the camp counselors all around the fire singing, like, you know, Jesus loves me or whatever. And that makes apparently a couple horny. I do not understand why, um, for many reasons. Uh, but anyway, they, they, they put down the guitar. The, the camp counselors all kind of, like, disperse, and two of them decide to uh, go to the barn and... Try to fuck. I, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Horny jail for them. Except <laughs> horny jail is death, apparently, because they go up there, they, they start kind of fooling around, and then we, of course, you know, switch back to the killer's point of view while the killer walks up the stairs. And at first, the counselors are like, oh, shit, someone's looking at us. Like, it really makes sense in the, in the end why they react the way they react. Because they react like, oh shit, like we got caught. And they're not scared at all. They're just like, oh shit, uh, hi. Some sort of like authority figure or someone who probably works here. Um, what are you doing here? Oh shit, we weren't really doing what we were doing. And then Killer just goes ham. Stabs one guy in the, in like the, the stomach or some sort of organ area. Yeah. Yeah, the girl freaks out, throws a cardboard box there's a lot of weak box throwing in this movie yeah just the just like she never tries to make a really strong move for the stairs or just hop down like you know she just kind of goes like oh no or you know really let out a blood curdling scream yeah there are there's like apparently there's a full campground all around her there's kids there's camp counselors there's apparently probably an owner somewhere and she's like no uh, it's not. It's not gonna do much. I'm gonna get you. Yeah, uh, and she and they actually don't don't see what kills her because it just kind of freeze frames on her horrified face, and then we get a series of very uncomfortable. At least noises that made me uncomfortable. It's like a lot of like um probably like cello or violin screeches. You did not like this string sl- section of yeah. this soundtrack. Yeah, it was. It, was, it hurt. It hurt my. It was. I guess why. Like it. It was unsettling, but also hurt my ears. And we get the very famous Friday the Thirteenth forced through the, the, the glass or whatever. Um, and then, ah, oh God, the first one that made me sad, like, we get introduced to, we get introduced to poor Annie. Yes, Poor Annie. Annie. She loves dogs, man. Why did Annie have to die? She She's, pets the dog. She, she asks the dog for directions. I know. Poor Bobby. And then she walks into this little diner and she's like, hey, where's, where's Camp Cram Kistel? Or, oh. Camp Crystal Lake. Thank you, Jesus. We just talked about this. Um, and of course, everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing there? Why are you going there? You hear one person even repeat back Camp Blood. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, People are not very happy. And they, they kind of go like, oh, you really want to go there? And she's like, yeah, that's where my job is. And the lady who's running the counter the, like, you know, at the diners, like, you know, points out one guy who's like a trucker or something. He's like, yeah, he, he's going up past the crossroads. He'll, he'll drive you, won't you? And I was like, well, I guess. And, you know. Uh, and then they also, uh, as they're kind of leaving the diner and walking across, fucking Crazy Ralph, right? Yeah, yeah, Crazy Ralph pops out of nowhere and is like, oh, it's cursed. There's a death curse. And he's some, he's very clearly like the, the what was it, the prophet of doom, you called it? The very uh, stereotype. So in Cabin in the Woods, yeah. it very much names each of these roles. Yeah. Uh, you've actually seen Cabin in the Woods with me before. Oh, I have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the one with the cabin in the woods. <laughs> God damn it. You know, I never would have thought, Andrew. Wow. Wow. A cabin in the woods. You know, you know I just, uh, I never think of that. You, you blow got, me away. You know. It's got the, the way, college the way, Oh, God. Oh, the college kids. Wow. You, 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 your words. It goes to the cabin in the woods. Oh, cabin in the woods. You know, okay, I never thought you, your words and blow me away. You know, you just. There's the second me. plot of the people who are running the movie, more or less. Forcing them to select their monster, more or less. Oh, God. Uh, I remember watching this with you because there's a scene where the character Jules is dancing. Yeah. And this is the <gasps> moment I realized you were gay as fuck. Yeah. Because you were just staring at her butt like the rest of us. That is the only moment of that movie I remember. I remember that and then I remember your reaction to that. I remember nothing. I have blocked out everything else in that movie. Yeah. Uh, like, that role hard. Crazy Ralph plays is the Harbinger. Ah, the Harbinger. Well... I mean, he doesn't do a very good job of it, honestly. He kind of goes, oh, he don't is, go to the camp. 
the harbinger role in horror movies is pretty much he's there to tell you you're fucked if you go through with this and you will die. Yeah, and no one listens to him because he looks crazy. I did like his vest. He had a very nice vest. I did like that. You but were complimenting his outfit. I, I like the vest. Um, but then he just fucking hops on his little bicycle and just pedals away, which I thought really undercut the terror. Like, at first he was like, oh, I was like, oh, this is a little scary. And then he gets on his bike and I was like, never mind. It, it, it looks comical now. Poor Andy gets in the truck, you know, and starts driving down the road. And uh, the guy, the trucker, I cannot remember his name. I don't even think he introduces himself. He starts giving her at least the deets. And he's like, you stupid kid. Honestly, she kind of is. Because she's like, why wouldn't I? It's my job. And he's like, you should quit. And she's like, nah. But he tells her about how like a kid drowned. People died there. There were a bunch of fires there. Like, you shouldn't go there. And she's like, ah, I'll be fine. And we're like, no, you won't. But anyway, by the end of that, you know, she's not cowed at all. He drops her off at the crossroads. So after that, we get a jump cut to the rest of the counselors. Are they in the... um, They're in the truck with banjo music. Yeah, banjo music, which really kind of threw me off. I was like, when the fuck did this kid hear? But (laughs) they seem to have a great time. In the car is Marcy, Jack, and Ned, I'm pretty sure, right? Yes. I think. Maybe. Who knows? But uh, they're all in the car, and they're all speeding down. Oh, until they, until they kind of reach the road. I think there's another jump cut to where uh, we see who we eventually known as Steve, who's the owner of the campgrounds, who we have heard from, like, those original diners. He sunk a bunch of money into this. But he's in his jorts trying to, like, uproot, like, a, a tree stump. His look has come back into fashion. I liked his glasses. <laughs> I did. There's a lot of people in this movie where I was like, I'm not sure about the whole vibe you're giving off, but I at least like, at least like this one article of clothing you're wearing. I'd wear that. But yeah, I like his glasses. Now be counselors, hop out of the truck, help him. And you know, Steve's kind of like, you know, like, okay, uh, I, need, uh, I need, you know, the archery set up. Or, oh, can you like get Bill to finish painting the, you know, He the signs dog. them each jobs because they got about a week until camp opens. I thought it was two weeks. I'm pretty sure it's two weeks. Maybe it's two weeks. Maybe I'm just getting the week he gives Alice to jump out of it confused. Yeah, because we do get, um, as like he's assigning people jobs, kind of follow him as he walks around one of the cabins and we're introduced to Alice, who I think is our final girl, right? Yes, Alice Alice is our final girl. And she's like hammering one of the um, ducks. What is it called? Like the she's uh, putting gutters on the ah, roof. Ah, gutters on the roof. And Steve is honestly a little creepy in the scene because he sees her her artwork and he noticed that she drew a picture of him, and he makes a comment about um, oh like this is what I really look like, and then she says oh this is what you looked like last night. He also like strokes her face and she's like I don't think I really want to be here. Honestly, understandable. The camp kind of looks like a dump. She says something about having unresolved business. Oh, yeah, in California. Like, hey, you know, just stay here a week. If you don't like it, I'll, I'll drive you to the bus stop myself. And she's like, yeah, okay. And then she goes down to, like, check on Bill, I think, who's finishing the um the docks. And he's like, oh, you think you're going to stay around much longer? And she's like, well, a week, but, you know, nothing longer than that, probably. Then Steve tells his counselors that um Annie should be back soon, or the cook should be arriving today. And that if when she does arrive, set her to the kitchen to get it all cleaned up and then he uh goes into town to do something i'm not sure he's he has um some little doohickey hooked up to the back of his jeep to rewind a little bit because we completely skipped annie being killed oh i think this happens right after that i think right isn't it steve dries off and then we get because i remember thinking well the banjo part happens we kind of meet some of the characters we go back to annie walking on the streets because that comment about annie Mm. showing up to camp happens after she dies really oh well i guess yeah but anyway uh we do at one point in time get a, a cut to annie just casually walking down the road you know we see a jeep you know coming up um and you know annie's hitchhiking and she gets in the car and again it really i feel like clues you into at least Maybe not who is the main villain, but probably what they look like. Because once a car pulls to the side of the road, Annie feels very, very chill with whoever else is in the car. Um, you do not see the the, their, uh, the face, though. So that's like a cue to, you know, get a little nervous. Poor, poor, poor Annie. But anyway, Annie gets in the car, starts driving down. 
you know, she's just chatting, chatting, chatting. Um, oh God, poor Annie. She's talking about how she really wants to work with kids, about how happy she is to work with kids. You know, just like, you know, that this is her like dream job. And, and then uh, the driver drives past the turnoff or camp. Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. And then Annie starts to get nervous and, uh, you know, the driver won't pull over. So Annie honestly does the smart thing, opens the door, rolls out. But sadly, she injured her leg. The, the jeep stops, the killer gets out of the car, Annie tries to run through the woods, but she's not fast enough, she's got a bum leg, killer catches up to her, kind of, yeah, like slams her against a tree and cuts her throat with a machete, or a knife, De- definitely some sort of blade. We're saying knife, yeah. because uh, we do see on Mrs. Voorhees's person later in the movie that she has a knife on yes. her hip. Yeah. So I'm assuming a lot of her uh, off-screen kills are most likely that knife. That's what I'm assuming, at least. Because she, there, there is some machete action in this movie, and machetes are very linked to Jason Voorhees himself. Yeah. But this is a knife much like the one Ghostface uses in Scream. Oh yeah, even like the if you, as I'm staring at the screen, the settings menu. The killer has a knife in their hand, which looks very similar to the knife that she has strapped to her hip there. So that's what I'm assuming it is. But um, anyway, uh, poor poor Annie, down for the count. It's always so funny for me when I'm editing this, yeah. because I can always tell when you like a character, when you keep on going, poor, 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 poor. I like Annie, man, and she died, <laughs> she died too young, died too fast. She didn't deserve any of this. Uh, but anyway, moving back, um, we kind of jump back to, you know, the campground and all the other kind of camp counselors just hanging around, you know. A police officer does uh, drop by. <laughs> the lamest fucking police officer. Uh, so fuck the cops, by the way. But this also, guy pulls oh. up. He immediately accuses them of doing drugs because as he pulls up, I believe it's Ned is it doing is de- a very racist Native American yeah. uh, mockery. Yeah. He's dancing in a headdress, making his uh, short shorts look like kind of a loincloth situation yeah. with a sweatshirt. It's not a good... It is aged extremely poorly. Not that that was ever, you know... It, it's never acceptable it's to never be racist ex- to yeah. begin with, but... Man, the things that in the 80s, the 90s, like, the further back we go with movies, the more racist and sexist shit we're going to see and have to call out. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, God. Yeah. I I think I said as we were roping, I was like, well, as soon as he popped on screen, I was like, well, that's inappropriate. Just the, (laughs) yeah. You saw the headdress before he started doing the mock cry, and you're like, oh no. I was like, no, dear God. But anyway, you have Ned, and I think it's, yeah, Brenda, who's just kind of out cleaning up outside, and the cop pulls in. Honestly, all the camp counselors are kind of laughing at him. Honestly, He deserves it. He's, 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 uh, Fuck the cops, man. But he's also specifically this one, because he seems to be an asshole. He accuses of them of, of doing drugs, which, honestly, yes, they are doing weed. But it's... <laughs> I live in Washington, man. Fuck off. <laughs> Get fucked. You know, he's he's mean and, you know, kind of dismissive of, the like, the counselors. And, you know, he's like, oh, but watch out for Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph has been, been sided down this road. Watch out for him. And then one of the counselors is kind of fiddling with his um bike. And we hear over the, you know, the, the um I think the captain of the, the police force or whatever. We is, hear over his radio. Yeah, hear over his radio, you know, a call back to the station. And he goes over. And he does the, the lamest U-turn I've ever seen on a motorcycle. This cop has never ridden the motorcycle. And he decided he wanted to look badass today. Yeah, yeah right. He's just like the camp, ca- like, the, you know, the he kid cap. He puts on, like, shitty little <laughs> aviator. He does. He just puts on the shades and he's like, well, watch out, kids. And then drives and then tries to do a U-turn, but he just slows down to the turn. It looks very, it looks stupid. All the camp counselors laugh at him. I join in. It's like, eh, fuck you, man. Um, All the camp, like, you know, the kids, you know, um, go to the the, the kitchen, I think. 
it's kind of like a communal like area. Yeah. Yeah, like it's. I think it's like the camp, not the camp council. It's cabin. probably the most finished area in the camp, which is yeah. probably why it's such a core setting in this yeah. movie. It, it like has like a living room and a kitchen. But anyway, the, most of the, the counselors are like, you know, in this little kitchen area. Marcy and Jack and Ned, who kind of walk off. I'm not sure why, um, but they all they all Marcy leave. and Jack want to fuck. Oh, and yeah. Marcy and Jack want to fuck. I forgot that. Yeah, so Ned they... Ned is... I think he likes to annoy the two of them specifically. Yeah. But even he, during this next scene, like, even fucks off away from them. Yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. Earl, like just before um the police show up or the cop shows up, that almost shoots um Brenda with an arrow. Like oh. Brenda. Yeah, Brenda's out there like cleaning the archery range, and he fucking shoots an arrow at her. He that, reckless. We do not support this. We do not support Ned. But anyway, so we kind of we skip back to the kitchen where um Bill, Alice, and Brenda kind of just in the kitchen. I can't remember who goes. I think it's Alice who goes to the closet. Or not the closet. She goes to the pantry. She goes to the pantry, opens the door, and there's Crazy Ralph just hanging out in the pantry. This is trespassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. He's just like, and he just kind of like walks out like, doom, you're all a part of the death curse. This camp is doomed. Um, I foretell the prophecy of the death curse. And they're all like, what the fuck, man? And then he kind of just strides out of the cabin awkwardly, goes down to where his bike is leading up. I'm surprised no one noticed the bike in all this time. <laughs> but he picks up his bike and I'm like, and then he grabs, he like kind of like hops onto it and like pedals away. He's, this guy pedals away more suavely than the cop did on that his is motorcycle. That is true though. And on top of that, where the cop did his U-turn, wasn't five feet away from where Crazy Ralph's bike is. If yeah. Crazy Ralph goes to this camp on a regular basis, as this cop implied, yeah. how do you not see his bike How did go? you not? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. here. If, you, if you've also know Crazy Ralph, it kind of like causes trouble, you should recognize his bike. What That was, that was negligence. Right there. Negligence. Yeah. We do not support this cop at all. He doesn't know how to do his job. He doesn't. Not that any cop does. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Anyway, once Crazy Ralph, like, moves off, we kind of get a little bit of, like, a kind of storm rolling in, but then we kind of get a close-up on uh, Marcy and Jack and Ned, right? You know, kind of all just strolling, like, you know, along the beach. Oh, wait. I think... Oh, God. So, I'm so sorry. I'm remembering everything out of order. Earlier, earlier in the movie, wasn't... <laughs> Ned playing he Ned played the worst joke ever where he pretended to drown so that the other counselors would try to rescue him and give him mouth to mouth. Except uh he wasn't drowning, he just wanted I to believe kiss a girl. He started making out with Brenda, who pulled uh, him out of the water. So Brenda seems to be the source of where his shenanigans goes towards. Yeah. He shoots an arrow at her. He forces her to make out with him. It really feels like, like kind of like when there's like a kid on the playground, and it's kind of that boys will be boys where he pulls like the girls' pigtails or something like oh, that. Oh, he just likes you. And it's like, no, he's just a fucking asshole who should learn to deal with his emotions. But anyway, Marcy and Jack on the beach. Ned a little ways in front. Ned kind of feeling just left out because everybody else is kind of coupled up. Um, besides Brenda, and so Ned sees someone go in, going into the, one of the cabins, and Ned follows. Uh, and I was uh, paying close attention yeah. during this. I actually did see Pamela Voorhees' face there. Really? Yeah, you get early... If you look at just the right scenes at the right time, you can see her, Betsy Palmer's face. Oh. So, she's in more of the movie. She's just in such short seconds that like you blink you miss it yeah um anyway so we never see ned alive again but then we kind of got a close-up of um jack and marcy jack jack is getting a little too into it uh because like there's a storm rolling in and like jack's like look at this storm you guys wow i i never seen storm like this. anyway so the storm moves in um turns out marcy's scared of storms which honestly i don't 
think she is? Because she doesn't seem all that scared. But um, anyway, they get a catch of the horny and decide to walk into this cabin uh, to go have sex, apparently. So they, they enter the cabin. Rain starts pouring down. So you have, like, the, the couple in the cabin. And then you have um, the three other counselors in the other, the kind of, like, main head cabin. Like, that kind of, like, um, that kind of, like, dining area. And they all decide to play um, Strip Monopoly. I never heard of that way to play Monopoly before. I mean, uh, but anyway, uh, they're playing Strip Monopoly, and then uh, uh, Marcy and Jack are getting it on. Except uh, when we see Marcy and Jack doing it, uh, the camera pans up a little bit, and we we see that Ned is dead. His throat has been slashed, and he's kind of just bleeding out on the, the bunk beds that they're on. Uh, he's got the top bunk, uh, and <laughs> they got the bottom. But, I, I have two comments to the sex scene. I'm going to say the first one now and the second one later. Alright. The first one for now, if they were actually, like, going to town on each other, his body should have fallen off the top bunk or a part of his body should have drooped off. Yeah, and there was even, like, a little, you could see a little bit of blood spatter. Like, I feel like if he had really, if his throat had really been stretched, I feel like there would have been a lot more blood coming down. Because those did not look like thick mattresses. Alright? Anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, after they're done, uh, Marcy has to go to the bathroom, so she gets up to leave, and, uh, you know, Jack's kind of just lying on the bed. It looks like he wants to have a smoke or something like that. And an arrow goes right through his throat. Honestly, that's some, it was some pretty gnarly special effects. So, the thing about the arrow through the throat, um, we watched a little tidbit that the pump for the blood broke and that someone had to blow the blood through the pump manually. On top of that, the second part, that killer was under the bed while they fucked. Yeah, yeah. Just dead silence. You know, you got the dead dude, the the couple that are fucking, and then the killer. (laughs) Uh, It was a triple bunk, apparently. Yeah, Um, no, it was a sandwich. It really was. Is it an orgy if there's a corpse involved? There's a corpse, a cuck, and a couple. Is this an orgy? <laughs> Definitely not a threesome. That's what I'll say. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, after that fucking arrow through the throat, we we pan back to little uh, Marcy going to the bathroom. She's just you know, she's going to the bathroom. She hears something on the like the kind of the other other side of the stall, but she you know kind of nods it off. Once she's kind of like, but then like you know when she goes to like wash her hands. Uh, she still hears something, so she's kind of like peeking around, thinking that someone might be in the shower stalls. When she's peeking through the shower stalls, we do see the axe raised by a shadow in the back. And when she turns around, axe to the face. Honestly, I don't think we see like the, the axe go in, but there's like that kind of split shot where um, we see definitely the end result was. I liked the makeup for that one. That one was good. So Tom Savini, he's yeah. a legend yeah. in the horror community yeah. as just a special effects artist that's great at what he does. If it wasn't for his makeup, I don't think this movie would be good. Yeah. The full stop. Yeah. But what he. Um, there's this documentary that Hannah and I watched. Yeah. It's called Camp Crystal Lake Memories. Yeah. It's a documentary on the entire franchise, including the remake and Freddy vs. Jason. Ah. And what Tom Savini said in that is he showed a real axe had it hit something so you could hear the weight of the weapon yep after that he cut to a shot of the rubber prop going towards her yep and that's what gives that kill such a weight to it instead of seeing that rubber prop the whole way through yeah you see a real weapon you hear metal on metal and it's effective yeah no especially that that end scene where you can just see half of her face because one half is just cave like just caught right through it so yeah that one uh that was a good shot after that we cut to the the camp counselors the three that are left just hanging out in that kind of living room area and then brenda happens to remember shit uh she left a window open her 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 um little uh cabin she left her window cabin open and she we gotta cut the evening short and she has to run out there also it's proper piss and rain at this point it is raining it is it is pouring it is pouring cats and dogs 
and she runs out there with no clothes on. Like, okay, I kind Marcy of... Marcy did this, too. Yeah, but it was... I, like, I, okay. Bruno, I've never had sex. I'm not sure what fluids are involved, but, like, I'm guessing that she didn't want to put on pants after all that. So that I can at least understand. Like, at least she was just running to the bathroom. She'd be right back, and she didn't want to get any of her clothes dirty, like, with the disgusting bits. <laughs> We call it semen. Oh, you can call it semen. I'll call it the disgusting bits. (laughs) Anyway, but no, but the thing about Brenda is, is that, okay, they're in Starbucks. Her clothes are fine, clean. It is cold, wet, and rainy right outside. And she knows she's going to go to, like, you know, wash, like, kind of, like, we know she's going to, like, kind of, like, wash up and go to bed, right? We know this. Why doesn't she put her clothes back on? I do not understand. It would have been so cold. And he got all so wet. And they're just getting everything dirty. Anyway, she just decides to just run out there. She she goes to the same bathroom that uh, Marcy was just axed in. She just is fine. She, you know, washes her face, goes back to her cabin, uh, gets a book. We gets... actually see the killer's hand in one of the shower <gasps> oh, stalls in the yeah. back room. yeah personally surprised that they had the self-control to not kill her then and there with the killer in the room i know uh but i guess they let her live a little bit longer because um she you know she goes back to her cabin and then she starts hearing mommy help me yeah she starts she starts hearing like a little uh, like a light voice which honestly help me help me well i've never seen friday the 13th or any of the movies or any of the sequels i i knew who jason was right i knew that iconic figure so i was really confused until i remembered i've seen scream before so i was like wait isn't it the killer's mom okay it has to be it has to be because that voice could is not a dude's voice it was really funny watching this movie with you because i could tell you forgot that scream just outright goes yeah it's jason's mother in the first movie you dumb bitch now your boyfriend steve's dead yeah, I, I mean, I, I, at least I remembered it, I remembered it wasn't Jason, right? That, so that was that, okay? She hears it, and so she gets concerned. First of all, horror films, man, never run chasing, like, you know, a sound in the dark. Bad idea. It's a great idea. But anyway, uh, she runs outside, keeps following the voice until she hits the, the archery lot. And, uh, yeah, and there she dies, pretty much. Yeah, to arrows, I think? Yeah, I believe she gets shot by arrows off screen. I mean, she's in the archery range. The floodlights go up. There's no way yeah, that, that she doesn't just get aced by arrows. Um, but anyway, that makes our other uh, counselors pretty nervous. At this point, we're down to Bill and Alice. Yeah, we're down to Bill and Alice. And Alice hears she hears something and she gets real concerned and bill walks back into the the cabin and she's like you know what i i haven't seen anybody else in a real long time so they go they go looking they don't find um ned they don't find jack they don't find marcy but they do find an axe in brenda's bed or at least in the same cabin i think a tucked in axe yeah which was odd but i mean considering the killer not too odd now that i'm thinking about it she was a little crazy and they get of course very concerned but you know bill tries to calm her down like hey steve should be back like you know any minute now let's just kind of hide out kind of let's just kind of like stay in the main cabin where the power is and then the power goes out (laughs) yeah but while they stay in that cabin we get a switch back to steve just having grand old time having dinner yeah he's having coffee you know i I don't he paid with two dollars and a quarter i do not think that bought him lunch that couldn't that couldn't what what day is this the 80s yeah that um, couldn't have bought him a full meal that couldn't two bucks and a quarter that buys you barely a coffee now well remember we we were playing um the last of us the other day and you and I were just obsessing over how cheap coffee used to be. A mocha was like three bucks. It's like six nowadays. That That's half the price. But two dollars and a quarter. I'm saying, okay, even for that, maybe it was like a coffee and a side of bacon. All right. 
That or is the... maybe toast or a bagel or something. That that I can understand. That 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 process. Coffee is... and a pie have the Twin Peaks kind of dinner. I get it. You know what? That's okay. So he has some sort of snack and like a beverage, and he's just talking to um the 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 the, the waitress. You know, she's like, "Man, you should really stay in town. It's just raining cats and dogs out there." And he's like, "No, no, no. I don't want to leave these kids. You know, out in the middle of the woods. They're 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 you know they're city kids. I don't want to leave them to die in the woods." Well. <laughs> Uh, rude awakening there. But Steve, anyway. Steve, you fucked up. Yeah, Steve, you fucked up. Steve, you should have just stayed in the town. You should have taken the nice lady's advice and stayed in the town. But anyway, he gets into his Jeep and, you know, starts driving back. But sadly, his car dies. Poor, poor Steve. Poor Steve's car dies. But then the police find him. I guess the police are just driving around. But the police didn't put on their lights until he got up. Anyway, there's a police cruiser. A police officer picks him up. Drives him, not all the way to the camp, which I think is a little insulting. Like, why not just drive him to the camp? Why? why I think like, it was leave? another case of, I, I think we were obviously chatting while watching this yeah. movie. And I, I think he probably got a call on his radio once again. And yeah. he's like, all right, this is as far as I can take you. Fuck off. Yeah. Or maybe he was like on patrol. <laughs> but and this way was nicer. Like, yeah. Steve gets out of, uh, you know, gets out of the car, starts walking down, but he gets to the, the, the camp crystal sign and he sees a really bright light. And again, he walks right up to it. And I'm, I mean, I know it's bright, so he's probably, it's probably hard to see the person on the other side, but even on the person on the other side, he just walks right up to, no fear, no nothing, just like, oh, hey, what you doing out here in the middle of the night? And then he's dead, stabbed in the gut. Presumably by the knife, but we don't know if she's using the machete yet. So another unknown stabbing in this movie. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of not knowing what the weapon is. I'm figuring yeah. this out. Yeah, I'd rather just just give me a little give us a good picture. But I I get it for these types of movies just because they're so old. You well, know? you can even just, like, bloody up a fake prop machete and lift it up into the screen for a second. Ah, yes. But anyway, there goes Steve. Poor Steve is down for the count. And we cut back to uh, Bill and Alice, who uh, decide to, like, I think they decide to go um, try the, the, the generator. Because they tried the phone earlier, and we got a pan shot to where they, they cut the, 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 the phone lines. Yes. So I think they try to go... He tucks Alice in. Oh, he tucks Alice into the couch. And then Bill, the stupid motherfucker, decides to go try the generator on his own. Very poor decision. You don't split the party, Bill. First of the horror movies, you don't split the party. But he just he just goes he goes off um, to try the generator, and then uh, Alice wakes up alone. She she knows where he is. She she wakes up. She's like shit. Where did Bill go? And then she's like, oh, he's probably gone. She there. went straight to that room. Yeah yeah. When she gets there, poor Bill. Well, he ain't alive no more. He has, his throat has been slipped and he has been like stabbed in the door he with arrows. into the he door. He has been crucified. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, looks like Carrie White's mother. He does. He really does. Um, Alice obviously freaks out and makes just like the worst decision. She runs back to the cabin, right? Puts up the shittiest barricade shittiest in the world. Shittiest barricade. She even has rope to tie like the, the handle. Like... And just the shittiest tie ever. Like, if you could pull open that door. Like, use an actual knot. Also, also, she just broke a window earlier. She should know how e- like how easily broken these windows are. Doesn't try anything with the windows. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Because she's freaking out. She, the, the, she uses, like, little, like, wooden chairs to try and barricade the door. It does not do well. Um, but she walks into, the, like, the, that kitchen area again. And poor Brenda... Through the window. What was I just talking about? But anyway, yeah, poor Brenda is just hurled through the door. Alice obviously kind of freaks out and gets her raincoat caught on the fridge. So you know how you said who is that when the yeah. body came through the window? Yeah. So for the body coming through the window, that was actually Tom Savini coming <laughs> through the window. <laughs> nice. And Go then we Tom. get, I like a good dead body yeah. in horror movies. Yeah. This was not a good dead body. You could see the actress still breathing. Yeah, I I, I saw because I was like, I thought she was alive at first because I could see her eyelids moving. I think I saw her mouth twitch. 
She was not a good body. You know, Alice seemed thoroughly terrified because, again, she she catches her raincoat oddly enough on the fucking the fridge. Anyway, she's, she kind of stumbles back in the living room and she sees lights heading up, which seems a little odd. But I guess, no, I guess if the killer wanted to trick the last camp counselor, I guess, yeah, getting back in your car and turning on the lights is pretty feasible. But anyway, she drives up the road a little bit. Um, Alice runs out. And we get the first clear image. And when you first honestly see her step out of the car, honestly, when I first saw her, I was like, oh, who's this? Oh, I saw the Jeep, though. I saw the Jeep, and I was like, nope, that Jeep has the killer in it. But when you first step out, she, the killer, honestly, she does look harmless. So she, she does look like a nice little old lady. Pamela Voorhees has the same type of aesthetic Grace has. I apparently. do. I, I liked her boots. I liked her pants. And I really, really liked her sweater. I liked it. It was a nice, like, soft gray. Like, I really liked her sweater. I would, I would wear that. Anyway, apparently old lady is my style. Or old man. Either way. Either way works. Crazy Ralph to Pamela <laughs> Voorhees. Your style is uh, yeah. <laughs> a choice. Definitely a definitely an option. Oh, don't you like the sweater vest that I'm wearing, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank Fit the movie. I really... actually kind of laughed about that. <laughs> Thanks. And all the cats. Moving on. Anyway, so, you know, she... Honestly, like, when you see her, you think she's just, like, a harmless little old lady. And, you know, Alice approaches her. It's like, oh, shit. And, like, you know, um, you know, Pamela's trying to calm her down. And it's like, well, show me. And, like, you know, like, Alice, like, shit. Like, I, I guess, to, like, prove it. She walks in and she's like, oh, her first words are weird. Like, so young. So beautiful. You can clearly see Alice is like, what the fuck? This is... Then we get the info dump. Why? Yeah. Which I actually liked because that was like a strong motivation. Because like, you know, she's like, yeah, like, you know, because then she starts her whole kind of like, you know, villain, like, you know, info dump where she's like, yeah, my kid Jason was in the lake. He wasn't a good swimmer. He drowned because the camp counselors were apparently fucking in the woods. And they just they just let him drown, even though he was screaming. Also, she worked there, though. Yeah, because she worked there. She, she was, was the, the cook. Yeah, she was the cook. Which is why, like, when that with that first couple, why they didn't freak out. Because she worked there. And they were just like, oh, hi, cook. Like, do you need something? <laughs> oh, hey, Mrs. V. Yeah, hey, Mrs. Voorhees. Sorry about your kid, by the way. <laughs> oh, shit, we're dead and die. <laughs> Sorry about your kid. We're not trying to fuck, I promise. I promise. It only happened the once, alright? Uh, yeah. Look, my, my, my short shorts are still on and everything. Exactly. No ween out. Definitely not. Anyway. Sorry about your kid again. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Mrs. Forhey has the complete kind of like a little bit of a meltdown. She starts talking like her kid is still there or from the point of view of her son. It's weird. Alice clearly gets a vibe. Um, and her, she makes a smart decision. Alice runs out of the house, right? And goes immediately to the killer's car because the lights are still on. The keys are probably still in. And she finds poor Annie dead in the, uh, in the passenger seat. And then she freaks out and leaves the car. She could have just gone in the car with the dead body. That is evidence, right? Finger probably all over that. No, she leaves the, she leaves the car, runs toward, you know, down the road. Another smart decision. But then uh, I guess uh, dead Steve scares her off because he kind of just like flops down from the sign. A shot ripped off straight from Halloween, oh. as you'll see in our next movie. Yep. And then uh, she freaks out. Um, then she runs, makes at least another good decision where she tries to go grab one of the guns. I don't know why they didn't do this in the first... If you had guns on the property, and you, but you couldn't find any of your co-workers, why would you not grab the guns in the first place? Well, they haven't seen a single dead body by I this know, body. but I w you saw an, a bloodied axe, though. They saw a bloodied axe, and all the power was going weird, and they couldn't find anybody else. They couldn't hear anybody else. I would have grabbed a gun! Somebody could have been chopping wood and accidentally got their leg and then tucked in the axe. No. Here you go, axe. I'm sorry. Sorry you gave me tetanus. No. No, I don't understand. I don't get why. But anyway, at least she goes for it now, but she can't open the lock because she didn't think to grab keys, so she can't uh, so she can't grab any of the bullets. 
So Mrs. Voorhees pops up again. They kind of like have a little duel, you know, just smashing each other around. Real physical combat between the two actresses. Oh yeah, Miss Voorhees just fucking slaps the shit out of Alice, by the way. After Alice, like, just grabs a gun and like, I think, like, hits her in the crotch and then over the head with the handle of the gun. Runs back towards the original, like, that original cabin again. Leave the fucking cat. We've already seen how easy it is to get in the cabin. But anyway, she first tries to hide behind a cabinet. Not, but then at least she goes to the, um, the pantry, locks the door. Again, Alice, these are not good decisions. Um, anyway, she kind of hides in the pantry. You hear the killer. You hear, you hear Mrs. Voorhees walking around outside. And then you see when uh, Alice crouches down, you see the door handle moving. And then, of course, uh, Mrs. Voorhees just grabs the axe again and just goes for it. Um, and then reaches a... Like, you see her face through the, like, the little hole she makes. And then she just reaches in and unlocks the door. <laughs> but... But Alice, again, makes a smart decision, and she grabs the frying pan. Never underestimate the frying pan, ladies and gentlemen and others, all right? It's, it's, it's a good blunt weapon. It also deflects. It's a, it's a good weapon. And as we've seen in Lord of the Rings, it can fight off some orcs. It can! Yeah, if, if a frying pan can fight off orcs, it can fight off Mrs. Voorhees, all right? So she, she was reading up, and she, so she understood. She, she grabbed the good weapon, all right? But then she fucking drops it like an idiot after, because, you know, Mrs. Voorhees comes in. Honestly, again, uh, Alice gets a good clump over the head. But again, what, 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 what did we learn this? But you always double tap, you guys. Because she just conks Mrs. Voorhees over the heads and then just leaves her there. No tie-up, no... But I'm going to stop complaining. Kind of. There is a little blood. Yeah, she little runs to the lake this time? Yeah, she runs to the lake to, I guess, like, mournfully look out over the lake. Like, oh dear, all my friends are dead. And then, of course, Mrs. Voorhees pops up again. Because, like, she's been killing people a long time. A, a tap over the head isn't going to keep her down. They, once again, get in a real fight. Like, yeah. these two actresses are actually hitting each other. Yeah, they're rolling around on the ground. They're, like, punching each other, kicking each other, biting each other. Alice managed to, to push Mrs. Voorhees away. Finally, again, make a good decision and grabs the machete and just chops her head off. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think that a, a machete could go just right through like that. But fuck, she just pops Mrs. Voorhees' head right off. And then gets in a uh, canoe and pa hand paddles to the middle of the lake. I mean, I think that would have been a better decision earlier on. I don't know why she didn't go back to the car and go to the cops. Alice is clearly traumatized. I guess, yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Um, but we get to a, a shot um, the next day where daylight clearly happens and the cops finally fucking arrive and start just waving out to the person in the middle of the lake. Yes. And then, you motherfucker, <laughs> um, I'm, I see, you know, I see like, you know, like Alice we got kind of this like weak wave from Alice and then... Calm, serene music. <sighs> and I got the perfect timing to just jump it. Boo, Grace, while right. Jason pops up and grabs Alice. Oh, and flips the fuck about. I oh. screamed. Ah, oh, God. I was so happy. That was honestly the scariest moment of the movie for me, and it was because of you. I hope you're happy. <laughs> fuck you. Anyway, uh, turns out Jason isn't alive, or who the fuck knows, because uh, Alice pops up at the hospital, kind of like... Like, you know, the police kind of come in and they're like, yeah, like, you know, we found you in the middle of the lake. How you doing? And Alice is asking after Jason, like, where's Jason? And they're like, he's been dead for 20 years. Um, they just say, who's Jason? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's Jason? But, uh, and she goes, I guess he's still there. And there's a weird pan out to the lake again. And the movie ends. Yeah, and the movie's over. A few things for the sake of this movie jason is dead yeah uh of course there is entire franchise where he is the killer yeah and in part two it's gonna do a shitty job of explaining it uh friday the 13th if nothing else it is not continuous about its lore yeah because he because like the only reason why his mom is killing all these people is because 
her son's dead and she's going through what? Oh, pancake. I thought I was trying to ignore, ignore pancake, but ah, it's cute. Anyway, but the only reason why she's doing all of this is because her son's dead. If he wasn't, she wouldn't be doing none of this and this whole movie would be made pointless. Well, there is a uh, scraps lore I'm yeah. going to talk about. So, in some of the sequels, his dad was supposed to show up and apparently he was some strong cult leader and yeah. What? Yeah, that that lore got left on the cutting room floor. <sighs> but apparently they wanted Jason to be more than just zombie boy or whatever variation they have because what i'll tell you is we got ghost jason ghost we got jason? zombie jason zombie jason we got hillbilly jason and we got just really bad depiction of people with autism jason oh god that's depressing yeah no uh... horror movies in the 80s like to very much other um, yeah. as many people as they possibly could and kill off any people of color as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yeah. fun statistic, we haven't had a single person of color die in any of the movies re-reviewed we, so far. Yeah, but that's because we haven't had a single person of color in any of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're all white. Also, I think it, what, what movie was it back when, uh, I think it was, oh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like, yeah, it, it feels like, um, uh, Leatherface was kind of queer-coded in that movie. Yeah, it's not a good look, you guys. Uh, you'll notice this in Psycho, a few other movies that are down the line where, um, there's queer-coding going on or, uh, they're othering people with obvious mental disabilities one thing mm. or another horror kind of reflects what people at that time feared yeah but also it's usually you know it's the people who do have autism or mental illness who are on the opposite end of the the, the spectrum they're usually the ones being killed so that's a little depressing but this is what it is, I guess. It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, so, just to quickly go over everything, we had a unknown stabbing victim. We had one freeze frame off-screen kill. We had a throat slit with a knife. We had a unknown throat slit with, assumably, a knife, but we're I'm not going to... I'm going with a knife. We're not going to count it like that just yeah. because I like to see my weapons. Yeah, there's a lot of vague, slashy weapons. We had the arrow pushed through the neck, which mm. was probably one of the best two kills of this movie. Yeah, either that or the axe, in my opinion. Which is actually the next kill, the axe ah. to the face. We had a off-screen arrow kill. Yeah. We had another off-screen stabbing. Mm-hmm. And I believe when you see Steve hanging upside down, you see the hilt of some sort of stabbing yeah. device. I think it was a machete? Who knows? But I'd like to see my weapons. I know. We had an off-screen killing with uh, arrows and a th slit throat. Don't know what order they were done in, but my he got vote, fucked. Yeah, he got fucked. My, uh, I, my opinion with how small Mrs. Voorhees was... I think she blitz killed him with the knife, because um, I don't think any of those arrows really like uh, were besides the one through the head. I think, yeah, I, I think she killed him first with the knife, but that's just my opinion. And then we got the decapitation to top it all off. Oh yeah, the just popped off really the head. Just all these practical effects are very well done. Mm -hmm. um, we watched it in high definition. So, funnily enough, that made the arrow through the neck one of the weaker uh, kills yeah. because you could actually see where the prosthetic and skin were. Yeah, but still, hey. It still, was a good kill nonetheless. Yeah. You were talking about how the music unsettled you at mm -hmm. times. Oh, yeah. No, a, a lot of those kind of screeching violins and cellos... It, it, Definitely made it a little uh, un un unpleasant at times. I really like the soundtrack. It's iconic. Mm -hmm. It's recognizable. Especially that, oh god, because like whenever a kill was happening, you could tell it was going to happen because of the music. Yeah. Very distinct, kind of like 
a little bit like Jaw, you know, in Jaws. The... Yeah, and uh, the composer purposely set it up like that. Mm-hmm. Our current most common way to die is being burned alive, and that's not going to be usurped for Oh, a while. no. Carrie killed... I don't understand why they call the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they don't call it the Carrie Massacre. She fucking burned... What, 65 people? 66. 66! She killed so many people. Why is it not called the Carrie Massacre? Jesus, so many people died. I don't understand. Anyway, moving uh, on. The moving honorable on. second mention, which is going to be the ever-changing one of the podcast till we can usurp Carrie. It's going to be a while. Is the Blair Witch still. Really? She has three consecutive kills, and everything else is at ones and twos right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that probably won't change until we really start getting into our more movies. My personal favorite unique way to die is the axe to face in this movie. Yeah. Honestly, probably same. I'm gonna go with same. Oh. It was good. You're changing. I mean, either. Uh, actually, uh, no. I think I'll keep it with the um, the garage door, actually. So iconic. It's so funny, too. It's so funny. She tries to go to the doggy door. The doggy door. Moving on. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. We obviously have mentioned that we are covering John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually try to release that on Halloween instead of November 1st. All right. So we're going to be recording that in pretty quick succession to this. And I think you're going to enjoy the movie it's another, um, I guess they're called proto-slashers, because huh. Friday the 13th cemented it. Yeah. But Halloween, Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all these movies kind of laid down the foundation, and Friday the 13th was like, all right, here's the tropes from <laughs> all of you. <laughs> these are going to be the tropes for the next 20 years. So I have purposely not mentioned the writer or director of Friday the 13th so far. Sean S. Cunningham is the director, and it was written by Victor Miller. They are the reason why Friday the 13th has not had a recent installment, why anything Jason Voorhees has been on hold for over 10 years. A lawsuit between the two of them happened... It officially came to the end several months ago, but no progress has been made towards getting a new movie out for the franchise. Mm -hmm. Miller, the writer, was granted copyright claim to the original Friday the 13th uh, in the United States. But Cunningham have to come to some sort of agreement still before anything new is made. The two of them got into kind of a legal pissing battle to who really owned it because there is this thing where if you write something for someone and give it to them you can recall it several years later so you can reuse it for your own purposes one of the actors who plays a character later in friday the 13th became a lawyer and it's really fascinating to hear him specifically talk about the legal battles because he knows a lot more of the yeah. uh, drama going on behind the scenes probably. He knows all the legal loopholes that a writer has to go through. He knows that there's specific wording that the director has used to kind of keep it in his courtyard for as long as possible. Yeah, so what is this even about anyway? Basically, Miller just wants credit for creating the franchise back in his control so he can make new movies. And then why did, so then why did Cunningham and, fight him on it? And Cunningham wants the same thing. They're basically trying to become the shareholder for the franchise. So why don't they just mo- both make separate movies? Because uh, I don't think it's quite that easy with AAA titles uh. because... I mean, if the if the lore is already so fucked and there's already zero consistency, why can't they both just make their own Friday the 13th sequels or prequels? Uh, I think that just comes down to plain old capitalism. Mm. The American disease. Yeah, I mean, it's not only an American problem, but Jesus Christ, is America drowning in it. Ah, oh, God. Just like Jason. Or apparently not, because Jason's still alive. 
but currently what Miller can do specifically, he can't exactly go and make a new movie Mm. since he's won, but he can approach it through a TV series, I believe, and kind of make a Bates Motel type of thing where, yes, he's using the characters, but uh, it's long format. I don't think he can use the mask, uh, which is very iconic to Jason, which I'd personally be really happy to see Hillbilly Jason come back in. But that's just me. That's my favorite version of him because he's wearing plaid and overalls. Fight me. Is that what he was in Jason X? No, no, no. That's Uber Jason. Like the taxi company? No, no, no. Think Jason with nanobots infused with him. Who gave Jason nanobots? No one gave them to him. They killed him and then his dead body landed on a machine that repairs people via nanobots. How the fuck did that happen? They were fighting near the med bay. What med bay has fucking nanobots? This one. Why? You'll forget by the time we get there and you'll get just as mad. What the fuck? It's, It's my favorite one though because it knows it's bad and it just... It plays with the idea Jason in space. Plays with the idea of Jason. Jason is a drown. Jason is a kid that drowned fifty years ago. Why the fuck do we give a shit? Because he's got a machete and a cool mask. Man, okay. If Jason gets to go to space, I get to go to space. All right. There's got to be some sort of equality here. This is bullshit. This is absolute bullshit. If you get treated the way he did in that movie. How did he get treated? You'll see when we get to it. I don't want to say it anymore. Right. Anyways, this was Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast. And we hope to see you guys next time. Nah, have a good night. Or Bye. Day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Bodies by the Numbers Pod, Twitter at Bodies Numbers, and our email address is Bodies by the Numbers Pod at gmail.com. We hope to see you again next time.